Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to Amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is The Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 8, where our theme is wonder. For many of us, when we write, we focus on the end product. We focus on what we want to accomplish and getting it out into the world where others can read it. However, it's just as important how writing transforms our lives. What does writing change about how we experience the world around us? This season, we will have a series of conversations with people who look at how writing has impacted them, how it has changed their everyday experience, what impact writing has had on their lives. I know you will love hearing these conversations as much as we loved recording them, and I hope that by the end, you will have found a pathway to wonder through writing yourself. My guest this week is Callie Patrick. Callie is a sleep and well-being coach who works virtually from Boston, Massachusetts. She combines health and wellness coaching with therapeutic applications of yoga and meditation to help stressed out, busy professionals reclaim their sleep, energy, and enthusiasm for life. Callie has addressed audiences at Harvard University, presented at HubSpot's Inbound Conference, and delivered webinars for large organizations, including West, Women in the Enterprise of Science and Technology. As a writer, Callie has been featured in Entrepreneur, Thrive Global, the World Sleep Society's Healthier Sleep Magazine, and she's been quoted in the Boston Globe as a sleep and wellness expert. Her number one best-selling book, Mastering Your Sleep Puzzle, Your 12-Week Guide to Sleeping Better, was released in March 2023. I'm so excited to have Callie on because... In addition to speaking to Catherine May at the beginning of the season, we haven't explored the wonder and enchantment that can come from writing nonfiction and the experiences that are available to us when we share the knowledge and expertise from being a teacher or an expert in a field. 
Finally, I also feel that many of us need Kali's help, as I have noticed a very strong connection between writers and sleep issues. It seems our brains never stop going. So I'm thrilled to have Kali on, not only to share her incredible story of releasing a number one best-selling book in a way that many of us have not imagined was possible for us. So I'll let her share that story, but also because taking care of ourselves and having better relationships to sleep can help all of us find more wonder through writing. So there's two avenues through in this week's episode. I'm very excited to introduce Callie Patrick. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It was such a funny coincidence. I'm always I'm always amazed by what happens once I decide what a season is going to be about. And when I got your email and you told me about the excitement you've had with your nonfiction book, I thought, wait a minute, we need some nonfiction wonder on this season as well. So I'm very happy that you're here to bring that in for us. Absolutely. The timing was just right. Exactly. So for everyone's benefit, your book came out this year. Yes. And so I'd love to hear, however, the timeline of your deciding to create the book, writing the book, and getting it out this year, just so we have a feeling of the lay of the land. Yeah, so the book came out only a few weeks ago, actually. It came out um, during Sleep Awareness Week, which always happens around the daylight saving time change. Oh, perfect timing. Yes. And that was planned. Obviously, it's a sleep book. So right. we get disrupted by the hour loss springing ahead. That launches Sleep Awareness Week, and it culminates in World Sleep Day, the Friday that ends that week. So I was very intentional about, okay, this is my, this is my deadline for getting this book launched. So very intentional there and good to have a date. Oh, right? yeah. Because other than that, there was really no, n- nothing you know, pressing. I'm self-published. So I didn't have any agents, any publishers, anyone <laughs> nagging me other than maybe the people who were tired of hearing me complain about writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, it's a book, more about the book, more about the book. Um, I started... I'll say I started, quote unquote, writing the book in earnest, probably around uh, summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I, I put writing in quotes because the book was really a culmination of things that I had been writing for 10 years that I was you know, that I am doing the sleep and well-being coaching. So I would write blog posts. I would write articles. I was writing course content. I was doing webinars, right? So, and I love, I, I've, from a young child, I've always just loved writing. It's just something I can lose myself in. It's the way I think. I do it every day, right? So I'm, I had more content than I knew what to do with. And eventually I decided that 
oh, let me put this into a book. I mean, people say all the time, hey, you have all these blogs, put them in a book. I'm like, great. And so the challenge became really wrestling it down into something where I could say, this is included, this is not included. And trying to take a 12-week coaching program that I do, which is not a linear experience, and put it into a linear format. So I, I went into it thinking, oh, this will be super easy. I'll get it done in, you know, maybe six months. <laughs> and, um, it, didn't, it didn't go that way. It was a lot uh, more challenging than I thought, given how much content I started with. Yes. I, I so feel this as I am in the middle of doing exactly what you're talking about. The only difference is that mine is 13 weeks long, not 12 weeks long. But other than that, mm-hmm. <laughs> turning, yeah, turning a live interactive experience into a book that someone's going to consume alone is really challenging. So I'm wondering what criteria did you use to decide if something was in or out? I always think of Heidi Klum when making these decisions. Mm. Well, I think part of it was how impactful has the content been to my clients? Certainly if, if there's something that I know 10 out of 10 clients have had an epiphany around or something I said was was useful to them, then obviously that had to stay. Um, I think in many cases, what went was repetition. That wasn't, it wasn't a reinforcement, right? I mean, I went back and forth with my editor a couple of times once I decided to get an editor, that wasn't me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Say, okay, I, I, oh, I said this in this chapter and I'm saying it again in this chapter. That's redundant. And in some cases she would say, no, but you said it slightly differently and the reinforcement is really good to hear. So keep it in versus, oh no, I'm saying something, you know, perhaps slightly, it could be contradictory, Mm. right? Or it's not really adding any reinforcing value, so it, it was tricky, really, to figure out what stayed in. And I, I actually have, um, I was reorganizing the blogs that remained on my website because there's still like 75 of those. Wow. And there was a whole chapter that didn't get written, which was called um, Special Sleep Disruptors, right? Like daylight savings time, like hot flashes, like you know, um, you know, pets in your bed or, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of things that all didn't make it into the book. Those are still, you know, individual blogs, but at some point I had to also look at and see how big is this book, mm-hmm. right? How manageable is it for somebody coming in and, and working through it? Cause there are lots of opportunities to pause and reflect and, and do the work. So, you know, it, it had to end somewhere. <laughs> well, it may be that you have more than one book. Uh, it's it's certainly possible, although the book in my head that's next is not a nonfiction. Ooh. So well, maybe we'll come back to that in a bit. <laughs> but I'm what I'm wondering is if your relationship to the material you were writing about changed as a result of writing it rather than teaching it. 
I think what writing the book did for me in terms of my relationship with the content was really reinforced by the metaphor, right? The, the mastering your sleep puzzle, right? Really this idea that there are so many little things that contribute to people's sleep struggles. And how do I communicate that? And when we first got into, you know, pandemic times and we're staying home more, you know, my boyfriend and I would always do the jigsaw puzzles. And it would be frustrating when you're putting it together and there's, where's that piece, right? Where is that piece? And you're looking for it and you're searching for it and you can't move forward without that piece. And then you look and it's on the floor and it's upside down and it's blended into the carpet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so that met bringing that metaphor into how I help people sleep better, I think was really something that came out of creating the book, right? That was not a way I spoke about sleep coaching before I wrote the book. That's and cool. it really, it really did help me organize it. And obviously then I had to kind of find ways to pull the metaphor throughout the book. And, and that was really fun for me and it drove the cover as well. So yes, it did. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I always think that this, it's like when you, we have ideas in our head and then need to get them outside of our head. I find that the form that it needs to take does shift the material in some way and leads to different discoveries. And so it sounds like the the puzzle piece was something that came from writing. And I'm wondering has, because whenever you're writing about material that you teach and share with others, rather than something you've just done on your own, there's this I don't know. There's something magical about that, that I've witnessed in my own teaching. And I'm just wondering about how the process was developing the material in, by working with clients and students. How was that relationship? Well, it's interesting because I, I am also a client, right? Mm. I got into this, I got into sleep coaching and well-being coaching from my own experience. Before that, I worked in companies. I was in high tech for 20 years and dealt with the, the fast pace and, and the, the burnout before it was a clinical diagnosis, right? I suffered myself, right? I struggled with my sleep for 20 years and felt like I had done all the things. I had tried all the things and nothing was going to work for me. And when I eventually burned out in 2010, I just left. I just said, okay, this has to be my focus. I have to find something that works for me. So the, the content of the book really began with my own search Mm. for how do I heal myself so that I can go back into the world and, and, and be the me that I want to be. And as I was doing that, I started to learn new ways of looking at the problem. Right. And so it's the content for the book that is now really started with my own journey. And as I started to see new ways of looking at sleep struggles and burnout and stress and anxiety and things like that, I would experiment on myself right before I even knew what coaching was. 
right? We, you know, we, we use ourselves. Well, let me try this and see what happens. And as I studied more and as I gained my certifications and learned more and then started taking on clients, they obviously, you know, the clients who come to you are usually ones, there's some reflection of you in them, right? That's why we sort of collect in the ways that we do, I think. And so I would coach people who were stressed out, busy, professional people. And later in my practice as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, I would coach entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and people who are like, well, no, I don't work for a company anymore, but I'm still not prioritizing my health and my well-being and my sleep and et cetera, et cetera. So, so it really started there. And I refined the content, obviously, in working with my clients. Right. If something like, as I said before, if something I said resonated with them, I would note that and go, okay, well, now I've seen five clients respond to this particular concept. So that's interesting. Let me put that into my program as an intentional step of the process. And, and so I built that up and I I would reuse it right with, with clients who came in who were new. And as I, gain more certifications and gain more experience, I would modify bits of the process as I went along, as I'm sure everybody, everybody does, right? It was an iterative experience. And I didn't always specialize in sleep, right? Because with sleep, again, there's so many different components, right? We look at movement, we look at stress, we look at eating habits. So I was, (laughs) when I started out, I was coaching for all of those things. Oh, wow. And from a mind-body perspective, right, because obviously, you know, my, my background started in yoga and, and meditation and, and yoga therapy, and then the coaching was following on to that. Um, so that's always been also a, a strong component of my, my coaching, because I do feel that sometimes we just need to stop thinking about stuff. We just need to get into the body and let the brain just pause, just let it rest stop figuring things out and just move. <laughs> so, um, so that process really did evolve through, you know, from starting from my experience to working with clients to gaining new trainings and certifications and going, oh yeah, this is, this is resonating with the, the types of people that I'm working with. And at this point, it feels very, it feels very solid to me. Right? I definitely have people who, have done the course, right? Who, who read the book now, hopefully, and feel better, sleep better as a result of it. So that's really exciting. I love what you said about sometimes we need to stop obsessing and stop thinking and get into the body. And I'm wondering, did that philosophy play a role in your writing at all? Because I think it can be very easy, at least it has been, for me and for students that I've had to think, oh, is this the right thing to put in? And then we get into the critical brain of, oh, is this the best way to say it? Is this the best way to put this in here? And all of that kind of monkey mind phenomenon. Is there any way that your training helped you to avoid burning out while writing the book about how to sleep well so you don't burn out? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll go back to, to, to one thing you just said about incorporating you know the body part of it i mean that's a that's a differentiating component i think of my book there are three chapters at the end where these are just movement practices 
I mean, movement, breathing, and meditation, but they are specifically designed to affect a change on the nervous system, right? Affect the energy, bring the energy down, bring the energy up. And that was always, to me, crucial to include, right? It was never, oh, this is a coaching book. Maybe I shouldn't include movement practices and yoga practices because they're yoga and maybe that turns somebody off. Um, but they're not traditional, you know, we're not standing on our head, right? We're not, we're not doing this for Instagram, right? We're doing it for, um, to create an effect again on the energy. So that was always a vital part of it. And I do think it's a big reason why my program works. The challenge there is describing movement in all its detail for someone who may not I mean, we're not, as a culture, I think, you can say, you know, bend your knees. When I teach yoga class, forward fold, bend your knees. I have to yell that five times before people go, oh, she means bend my knees, (laughs) right? We're just so (laughs) much in our heads that we don't, oh, my knees are here and I need to bend them, right? And Mm -hmm. it's it's not that we're dumb. It's just that we're not... We're, we're so not there physically. Um, so describing the movement and the position in text was very interesting. Of course, I had people try them out. Hey, do this for me and see. Yes. And, and in yoga therapy, we use, um, my friend calls them hieroglyphics. We use little six-figure people to illustrate the position. So drawing those out for the book, right? I didn't hire somebody to do that. I drew them out the way I draw them out. Um, And I also created a a website with videos and, you know, the handouts that go with the book worksheets and things like that. So I was able to put that visually for people, I think, who need to see it rather than read it. Um, So I think that will be helpful. But as far as my own, you know, taking care of myself when I'm writing the book, Movement every day, multiple times a day for me is a requirement, right? Pretty much twice a day. Like before we got on this call, I did a 45-minute yoga sculpt class. Later today, I will go for a run for just a half hour, right? Mm-hmm. And I say run, but I mean like a, I call it a slog. It's a slow jog, right? <laughs> I was like, I yeah, like mine, like a shuffle. Something just to, you know, to get out yeah. in the light, to get in the sunshine, to get into the air, right? To get again, out of the mind, into the body. And that's just, that's critically important for me. So I, I do it daily, almost no exception. <laughs> How does that change your, your writing? Because I find that when I'm writing and I go and do something physical, that's when the best ideas show up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I sort of joke with people and say, you know, how technology has become more evolved and there's things you can implant into your body, right? Yeah. Vegas nerve stimulators, which is funny because, you know, we can do that with yoga practices. But the one thing I would really consider to implant into my body is something that would write down what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. When I am in that moment between sleep and waking, uh, or sleep, right? I write my best stuff in my head 
in those moments and I'm not going to get up and write it down Yeah, because then I'm interrupting my sleep, which is obviously important to me. And if I'm out running or jogging, then I'm not going to stop and dictate into my phone and have it not capture anything of what I said (laughs) because it doesn't capture my voice properly. So if I could have that thing implanted into my body, that would take the perfect words that always seem to come when I'm nowhere near a writing instrument and just have it flow out. That would be awesome. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. It's like subliminal transcription. Yes. And I can never really capture it the same way, you know, you yeah. can go for uh-huh. a run and, and come back and sit right down at the computer. And then it just, it just doesn't come the same way. No, it's, it's really frustrating. I know this feeling as well. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know what the answer is. Is it like a treadmill desk? So you can kind of run and then like, sort of, it's like, there's this balance between the stimulation and the amount of exertion you're doing and the amount of oxygen. I don't know what it is, but it's causing this sort of perfect mix. It's of, a download of, yeah. of the content as opposed to the pushing out of the content is how I feel it. Yes. I try, I try to like collaborate with my unconscious a little bit in this moment and be like, please don't get, just give me the, the broad strokes. Mm. Just give me the broad strokes in these moments so that I don't feel like I'm missing everything. And usually I'll get like, oh, that's why that character did that. And I can hold on to that, but it's not the exact words because that's just, then it's just gone. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I think both happened to me. Mm-hmm. And the more frustrating one is when the perfect words are there uh, and, and it's, I just know that they'll never, I'll, they'll never make it to the page. I'll, I'll never say it quite the same way. It's, it, it reminds me of when you, you write something and you lose your document and you have uh, to and then you're like, but I, I can't possibly say it yeah. the same way. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> when I go through those, sometimes I'm like, I hate to admit it, but this might be slightly better, but I don't really want to admit that the second time around, it was like, it felt solid that first time. Mm. And there's something so poignant about the fact that it just got sucked away into the the technological ether. <laughs> wherever it goes down the, the drain of, of the interwebs. I think I'm the other way. I think really the first time is the best time. Mm. And then the things that I do to it after are, I mean, it might be some cleanup. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the heart of how I wanted to say it, right? That comes out from that instant I get the, the inspiration, the words in my head, and they go to the page. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. So I'm curious about finding and working with an editor, given that that's your your process about your drafts, that it feels like the most vital and the most clear in those moments. How did you decide who to work with and how did that process go? Well, it's interesting. I met a woman at a networking event probably a six months to a year before the pandemic hit and, and in-person meetings stopped. Mm-hmm. And she only visited. 
I don't think she was part of the the ongoing group. And there was something about her demeanor, her personality just clicked. We we ended up talking and I hopped on her newsletter because obviously I'm always interested in writing and and just sort of stayed peripherally connected. And then when I thought to myself, I really, I really need a second set of eyes on this. Um, I certainly am very detail oriented. I've read it a million times, but I've now been working on this for two years or, you mm-hmm. know, a year and a half. And, and, and it really needs to, I really need to know that it, it makes sense to somebody else. And so I, I, she came to mind just from that personal connection from that, Hey, we seem to have the same vibe. And so I reached out to her and I said, Hey, I don't know if you ever, if you, if this is something you do, because she does copywriting for, for folks. And, but I, you know, I have this book and I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm pub- I want to self-publish and I need a second set of eyes on it. She said, well, I've not edited a book before, but let's talk. Mm. So it was a new experience for both of us. And it, it worked out wonderfully well, I think, because of how just well we got on, how, I mean, we, and as you probably know, with, you know, working with your own editors, you end up sharing the brain. Yep. You end up finishing each other's sentences. And she really, that really happened for us fairly easily. And, and we got to meet once a week and talk about some things and wrestle through some things. And it was no longer me sort of sitting at my dining room table with a printout, struggling and feeling, well, should I do this? Should I do that? When I was stuck or felt like I was going down a rabbit hole, I remember one very specific instance, and I don't remember what it was about, but there was some, there was something that I was like, ah, maybe I should do this. And it would require all this other work, right? There was this cascade effect of if I did this, then that meant all this stuff had to change. Well, let me run it by her before I go do that. And she's like, no, you don't need to, (laughs) you don't need to go there. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or yeah, I I see that perspective. And so it did save me a lot of work where it might've just been my mind sort of making that busy work and self-doubting and and going, well, maybe this wasn't the right direction to go. So it was, it was certainly very helpful. And I, I really enjoyed and looked forward. I looked forward to our conversations. And when they stopped, like when we were finished with the edit from, I think it was second draft into third draft, which eventually got you know, turned into the published um, proof. It was, oh, we're not meeting this week? Wait, it's, it's weird, right? Not having that that weekly conversation. So, um, but I mean, we've stayed, we've stayed connected. We've done a, we just did a book reading together, which was a lot of fun. Cool. So, but yeah, I, th- I really think it was just that personal connection and her being willing to do something she hadn't done before. And me knowing that she would do a great job even though she hadn't done something like this before. I I love these sort of magical connection, the way almost like the book plays matchmaker for the people who need to help it exist. Yes, and there's an interesting story that came out of that as well. The there is a woman that my editor works with who 
was helping someone else publish a book. And right, almost as soon as we finished up editing my book, that person was looking for a proofreader for the other books. And my editor was very strongly like, you have eagle eyes. Like you can find the smallest detailed problem. And I've always kind of been this way where I just, I can see a pixel off on a page and it's a blessing and it's a curse. <laughs> oh, I have the same issue. So I know of which you speak. And so, so she, my, my editor said, oh, hey, if you need someone to prove this other book, Callie is great at this and maybe she'd want to do it. And I was like, absolutely, I would want to do that. Because writing the book got me back into my writing and made me want to do more writing. And so, and editing is just something that sounded like it would be fun. And so I connected with this person and she said, well, we really need it done in about a week. And so, and then I'm scrambling like, okay, what do I charge for this? And, you know, can I do it in a week? And, and I did it and it was, it was the most pleasurable week, even though I worked my ass off, right? I, every day in blocks of like two hours, I would, put the mouse as the bouncing ball right underneath the words and just read it like that. And I wish now I wish I had done that for my own book. But at the time I was, I can't look at this anymore. Can't look at my own book anymore. Right. Um, but I got to do that as a result of writing my book, I got to edit this other book and I, you know, I proofread, but I also caught a lot of things, even though it was, it was supposed to be nearly done but that's yep. why they hired me. And so it was really exciting to have been able to contribute to that uh, as well. That's so, I I love that you can find parts of yourself that you didn't even know wanted some time and attention when writing a book about something completely different. And, and, and that's on the tail end of this book. Yeah. So my sleep book started because I wanted to get back to writing. And I started writing the the fiction I mentioned earlier. And at the same time, I'm having a sleep and well-being coaching practice. And I, I, I was really struggling with, well, there's only so many hours in a day. I need to spend time getting word about my business out there. And here I am writing a book that has nothing to do with anything. And it was... I knew my soul needed to do it. Like I really enjoyed it. And yet it was such a big investment of time. I couldn't justify doing it. And so finally I said, well, if I write a book on sleep, I'm writing and I'm doing something for my practice and I'm doing something for my clients. So I put that book on the shelf, the first book and went to the sleep book. And now that I'm finished with the sleep book and then did the editing, now I'm like, I've just started this past Saturday, just writing something again, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with anything else. So that was really, that was really fun. And my goal in April is to do like an hour every Saturday, just because my schedule has gotten crazy and, you know, it's fitting it in. But that's, you can do real work with that amount of time. A lot of things can happen. And I think it's, 
I like that this is the way that it worked out and that you, that was the way you explained it to yourself, that I am achieving part of this goal right now while achieving another goal. And so I'm not, because a lot of times we can give ourselves a hard time, like, oh, I want this thing. I'm not doing it. I'm doing this other thing instead. But there was a really beautiful compromise and way that you went about that, that I think is really helpful and inspiring. Definitely. And I, I think the fact that now the sleep book is out there, right? It's published. I've gone through that process, right? Because the, obviously the writing is not the publishing part of it. I've, oh, yes. gone, I've gone through that whole experience. And, you know, the question for myself was, well, when I finish that, will I want to go back and do that other thing? And, you know, the answer is yes. So, but it could have been no, Mm -hmm. and it would have been fine too, but now I, now I know. (laughs) And now, you know, and so how are you feeling having been through the publishing part of it? And was there any magic and wonder in getting the book actually out there to where others can read it? (laughs) I think the magic and wonder is that it it ended up getting done. (laughs) Yes, I can was, I can see that feeling. I, I I certainly think that writing a, a fiction or a memoir or something of straight text would have given me a, a lot more options in terms of the tools that I used and the simplicity of it. I mean, not to say that it's it's easy because you still have to go through the hoops and, and things like that and the cover design and obviously you know things like that but my book had uh, questionnaires it had spaces for writing it had stick figure images it had tables which were incredibly challenging to put into a self-publishing tool and Honestly, I think had I not had a technical background where I could go into the back and hack the code. Oh, wow. um, I don't know what I would have done. (laughs) It was, I mean, for the tool that I picked, it was, and I picked it because it did give me the most flexibility when it came to that. Um, Which one did you go with? um, I went with Ingram Sparks. Um, But that again, it let me see the back end. So I could do things that I probably maybe shouldn't have done. (laughs) But, you know, sneaky construction. Yeah. As a design, you know, I have a design background, so I wanted it to look a very specific way. And it wasn't, it wasn't behaving anywhere near the, the Google Docs that I had so nicely created and formatted. Right. And, um, so my feeling is that going forward, I will, it will be so much easier when I do a fiction that it's just like, okay, chapter one, bunches of text. <laughs> I will know how to do that. I don't have to cite references and all of that that I, I put into this week book. So it's a wonder that it, it made it. And actually the, the timing of it and things about the publishing process that I didn't understand, right, that you know, it would take a month for it to be, you know, from the time that the proof was sort of finalized to when it would be available. And I had that release date of March 14th. 
Uh-huh. And I, I squeaked in on Valentine's Day. Wow. Because the cover wasn't working and, you know, just the, the specs weren't clear. And I was back and forth with my designer and it was like, oh my gosh, there's a chance that I'm going to have to push out this date that I really, you know, it was arbitrary, but I also really wanted it to land in that, in that particular week. So it was, it, it's a wonder it's done. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did learn a lot and, and I, I, I'm proud of myself for having gotten there. Yeah. And from what you told me, you were right to push for that week. I think so. I mean, when it, when it released it, it went to the number one bestseller. Yeah. I think that's a good result. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> I, I think you absolutely deserve to be incredibly happy with that. That's an amazing result for a first book. Absolutely. We were watching the the stats, you know, on the day it comes out. And you know, you watch it, but you try not to watch it too much. And it was Oh yeah. And then you numbers. watch it anyway. <laughs> well, you know, my my launch person who I hired to help me with that process, she she sent me a note and said, Hey, you're number three. And I thought, wow, that's great. That's amazing. Well, you know, I could be number one, but eh, that won't happen. Like, no worries. You know, it's like, and she's like, that's a great result. You're, you're good. And I'm like, okay. And then the next day I woke up in the morning and she's like, you're number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was delayed. Right. <laughs> amazing. So yeah, it was, uh, it was very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. It's fun to say I have a number one bestseller. Oh my goodness. So fun. I'm surprised you don't have like a t-shirt and a hat and all kinds of stuff. Because I think that when we first think about, am I going to write this book? Is this going to happen? Is this possible? There are all of these things that we think. And we don't think about things like, could I write a number one best-selling book. That's not the question we tend to lead with. And yet that is an experience that can happen. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I, and I, I certainly didn't go into it that way. I went into it saying, hey, I've written all these things for the past 10 years. I speak with way more people about their sleep struggles than who coach with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do I get this information to those people who who want to do it themselves? Right. Who want a different approach? And and so me thinking, well, hey, I I will encapsulate my process in this way that can get to more people. I will have my name. My, my goal was to have my name on a book. Right? That was really to hold a book Definitely. in my hand and say, I wrote this and it's physically here. I'm not a big ebook person. I'm a big actual book person. So here's my physical book I can hold in my hands and it has my name on it. That would be really cool. And was and, it? Yeah. Oh, yes. The first, <laughs> I, so I ordered, a, you know, the proof, the, the first hard copy proof and, and was waiting for it. And it was really funny because, you know, lots of people will post on social right when their book arrives, right? The opening of the book. Mm -hmm. and I thought, I'm going to do that, right? That would be really fun to have my initial reaction. Because I knew I'd be excited about it. And it was a Saturday morning and I had, I had showered, but I didn't really, you know, make myself up. And I ended up, I was cleaning my house. It was Saturday. So I was sort of scruffy, even though I had showered and, and my boyfriend comes in with the, with the package and I'm like, oh, it's the book. 
And so I did record it, but it was so, I, I, I was just so a mess. <laughs> that I only sent it to some friends and I did take I did take a photo that I posted on social but my hair is like everywhere and but I'm like holding this going oh my gosh it's my book I really have a book in my hand so um it was great and it and it feels nice it's one of those nice feeling like almost just buttery soft covers oh like the velvet touch the soft yeah. touch yeah that is really oh. nice and I didn't know what to expect, right? I'm mm-hmm. just okay, it's a paperback, it's a perfect bound, da 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 da, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I knew I didn't want a hardcover. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it was it had a really nice feel and it was super exciting. So that was that was really the motivation, right? Have my name on a physical book and hold it in my hands. The fact that it is the number one bestseller and that it could help a lot of people, that's I mean, that's awesome too. It's, I think it's just really special as well that we, we haven't thought of the, the sort of independent publishing option as one that leads to necessarily bestsellers, but it absolutely is more and more at this point. So I think it's really important for people to be aware of that because it's a hugely, I think, particularly for nonfiction, because you can put out a book that will be a bestseller and be a huge asset if you're a teacher or a coach, or you do non, you know, a nonfiction expertise, this kind of information to share. It's a huge asset to do this. And if you do it traditionally, it can take years. So you're not missing out on as many experiences as you might think by putting it out there this way. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't know how to go about getting a book published, right? I mean, I had known other people who who self-published, so I knew it was an option. And I thought about traditional publishing, but honestly, I didn't know where to start. Like, who do I, I'm, I'm not a writer per se, right? Who do I contact? Where do I start? How does that process look? And so for a while, I had both of those options on the table, but when I started investigating and I started going down the self-publishing, first of all, I had a role model. Okay, somebody else I know published four books by themselves, and they're in the world, and he yep. tells them, okay, so great. And then, you know, as you start researching something, you're like, okay, well, if I know more about this path, right, if I can find out more about this path, and I'm a do-it-yourselfer, right? Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> so. Even if I have to hack through it, I will hack through it. And and that's what I did. And it, it just, I just kept finding more ways to enter that door than I found to enter the traditional method. I mean, I'm not opposed to it at all, but I just didn't know what to do. It wasn't as clear to me. I think that is a universal experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's things that are complicated about both sides, but why not why not take that step when you can see the way through it's it's right. hard and enough it's to your, put a book out and it's in your control yes to some extent right i mean i'm not waiting for someone to get back to me unless i'm waiting for tech support right <laughs> <laughs> um you know i'm not waiting to be accepted or rejected i'm just assuming i'm accepted because i can right so mm-hmm. Um, so was, there was none of that for me and, and, 
you know, it's not to say that's not something that would happen in the future, but for now it's, it's there and that's what's important. I agree. I agree. And I think this is just an important story for people to hear and to know that is possible. And I just want to thank you so much for, for coming here and being willing to share about your experience becoming a number one bestseller. <laughs> well, thank you. It's very exciting. And I, I, I could talk about writing and sleep all day. <laughs> oh, it's, they're both excellent topics, so I'm not surprised. Absolutely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.